Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. What I thought I'd do in today's episode of the podcast is I'm going to do an Ask Me Anything but live into my community on Facebook. A lot of people have asked questions between my Facebook profile, between my YouTube channel, and I thought I'd answer those questions live and share it with you um, on our podcast. So I hope you find this valuable. I'm going to go straight into the live. Smelly bungalow. So I did a, a YouTube video about a, um, a really smelly bungalow property that we did, we, we purchased and sold on without doing any refurb and made about 50 grand profit on it. Questions come through and said, Kevin, may I know what is the reason for the bad smell? Um, the reason for the bad smell on the smelly bungalow was, I think it was unlived in for years. It was really bad black mold, damp, um, somebody had put all this insulation on the inside of the, just inside the property, but they had never actually done anything with it. It's like, they, it was weird. They laid this insulation up against the walls, but not actually plastered it, not finished it. It was just random. And behind the insulation was black mold. So it's like they put it there to hide the mold and they thought putting insulation in front would get rid of the problem. Clearly didn't. Um, it, the property absolutely stank. I've bought a few properties that stank. I actually did a recent one that stank even worse than it. But that property was black mold, really, that was causing the stench and just um, never been lived in for years. So just sitting there empty, no heating on, and it just created the most horrendous smell. Uh, there was probably other reasons too, like dead animals or something. It was, as long as it wasn't dead bodies, but dead animals, for sure, um, you know, the rodent type would have been in certain parts of that property. Uh, but yeah, it was a stinker. What else have we got? So AMC Holder on YouTube has said, I met this guy in Peterborough since the 19th of August to the 21st and I learned something valuable. Cool, thank you. Um, I learned that it's possible and even if I make proper money out of this, I can live comfortably in the end. And my message to Kevin is, Kevin, if I make a profit from my strategy, can I join you in your Porsche Taycan whilst getting an Americano? Okay, so here's what I'll do. So AMC Holder, here's what I'll do for you. On the first property deal that you get done, you come online, you know who you are, AMC Holder, get the keys to your first deal, show us the keys online, post on my profile showing me the keys, and I will come pick you up in the Porsche and go take you to Costa or Starbucks, whichever you prefer, and buy you an Americano. How does that sound? So that's up to you, go grab it, get that deal done. Oh, Sean Paul Gil Gilbert is saying, is interest rates going to rise? Liz Trust is to print 180 billion. Won't this rise inflation further? <laughs> yeah, um, if she prints 180 billion pounds more, it's gonna rise inflation. But here's the thing, 180 billion is not that much money. They printed trillions, trillions of pounds to get us through the pandemic. That is why we're in the position we're in right now. 180 billion is not really that much money, so it won't affect inflation too much. Inflation doesn't need any more effect, it's already crazy. We'll, so inflation, yeah, 180 billion is a drop in the ocean in terms of the amount of money that's out there, not really much effect. 
However, 180 billion won't even go far. That's gonna go, that's gonna do very little to change anything. It sounds like a lot of money to somebody earning 10 pound an hour, but 180 billion will do nothing to fix this country. However, will interest rates rise? Of course they will, of course they will. But interest rates are historically low, so they're already gone up quite a bit from the 0.1%, but they're still only, what, 2.25? If you were investing, anybody under the age of 30 thinks interest rates right now are really high. Interest rates right now are not high. Anyone under the age of 30 has never seen them so high. But if somebody was investing in the 90s, they remember 14 odd percent interest rates. If they were investing in the early 2000s, when I got into property in 2002, three time, and I started looking at off plan abroad and invested abroad and made loads of mistakes, interest rates in 2004, five, six, seven, before the financial crisis were four and a half, five, five and a half percent, higher interest rates. So right now, interest rates are not that high. And it's totally irrelevant anyway. Why? Well, very simple. Let's look at the numbers. Most investors would easily, happily, borrow money on bridging finance and pay 1% a month. Well, that's 12% a year. I borrow money at up to 12% a year. I lend money at up to 12% a year. 2.5%, even 3% interest rates. That's significantly less. Don't look at the cost of the borrowing. Focus on what return you can get from the asset. How much value can you add from the refurb? And how much can you rent it out for once that refurbishment is done? If you're going to rent a house out, let's say your interest rate's four, five, let's call it 5%. So you're going to take a mortgage at 5%. So interest rates go up to 3.5%. You get a mortgage for 5%. That 5% mortgage costs you uh, 800 quid a month on your mortgage for an expensive house in the middle, middle England. So 800 quid a month on your mortgage, you're renting it for 1,200 a month. You're renting it for 1,200 a month. You're making 400 quid a month profit. Do not worry about the 800, unless the mortgage is 800 and the rent is 800. Now it's a problem. But if the mortgage is 800 and the rent is 1200, you're making a profit. Stop focusing on the interest rates. Stop focusing on the inflation and focus on what you are doing. What return are you getting? What investment are you working on? The cost of money is only relevant if it is costing you more than you are making. Make sure you are making more than you are paying and you will automatically become wealthy. What else have we got coming through? So we've got quite a few questions coming through now. I hope that made sense, Sean, and answered that question. Kevin Lynch says, what happens if rent freezes and evictions are banned are applied to England as well? Um, well, if rent's frozen and eviction bans come in, there was an eviction ban during the pandemic. We all survived. The, literally, the pandemic, you could not do evictions. So if rent's freeze, not a problem. I don't have any issue whatsoever with rent freezes. Here's why. Why should we, if we've got five-year fixed rate mortgages, you've got fixed mortgages, how, they're going to put a rent freeze in place for a small period of time in Scotland, I believe, right now. They're talking about potentially looking at it in England. Well, I don't really have an issue with that because if my property is already making me a profit, I'm not planning to increase my rents next month, the month after, the month after. My rents are my rents. The tenants are paying a rent that I'm happy with. If the rent is frozen and they keep paying it, we're, we're all happy. Now, 
Will they freeze the mortgages though? Will they keep putting the mortgages up? Well, you were in control of freezing your own mortgage. Put it on a fixed rate mortgage. You put it on a fixed rate mortgage, you have frozen your mortgage. So you got your property, fixed rate mortgage, you got your rent, it's a fixed rent. Happy days. If you're buying a new house, if you're refurbishing a new house, you're gonna take out a new mortgage. Well, guess what, there's no tenant yet. So you're gonna put a tenant in. Now, this is the detail, the devil is in the detail. Are they saying they're freezing rents for existing tenants? Are they going to set the rent for a new tenant? Completely different question. It's very unlikely that they can set the rent for a tenant moving in, because you can set that rent at what you set the rent for at the moment. Um, so not an issue, because it's about the tenants already in place. Well, you've already got your mortgage, you know the payment, you got your tenant, you know what the payment is, happy days. New property, new mortgage, new tenant, new rent. Um, ban evictions, well, yeah, banning evictions if a tenant is not paying, that's ridiculous. They've banned evictions during the lockdown though, so what are they gonna do for landlords? The banning of evictions, if that comes in, and the tenant's not paying and they're allowed to sit there, that's, that's just crazy. That's gonna destroy the economy because if the, what they, they don't realize here is that if every landlord stops being a landlord, then there's gonna be a housing crisis that like they've never seen before because the government do not have enough housing stock. Liz Truss says she wants to be, um, or she's positioning herself very much like Maggie Thatcher. Here's the thing, Maggie Thatcher got rid of, got rid of all the council houses that started the problem in the first place. So is Liz Trust going to get rid of even more council houses? Is she going to position herself like Maggie Thatcher? What she's really saying is she wants more private landlords. If she wants more private landlords, she'd want to happy not put in an eviction ban on tenants that are not paying rents. An eviction ban stopping evictions, stopping section 21 evictions, I agree with. I agree with, here's why. No fault evictions, why should you be allowed to kick a tenant out of their home for no fault of theirs? They're a good tenant, they're paying the rent, brilliant. I want them to be there for years. I don't have an issue with that at all. But fault evictions, where they're not paying the rent, where they're causing antisocial behavior, etc. That's a totally different thing. So again, the devil's in the detail around the eviction ban. Is it an eviction ban for good tenants? Are they banning section 21? Or are they saying we're gonna ban all evictions if a tenant is not paying and a tenant is causing damage to your house and antisocial behavior, you're not allowed to kick them out, you gotta keep them there. Well, that's just, that's, that's criminal from the government. So don't have an issue with rent freezes. Don't have an issue with evictions being banned for no fault evictions. Kev, hope that helps. Love your name, by the way, Kevin Lynch, the first name at least, the Kevin bit. James Evans, where did you buy your first investment after Bulgaria? Oh, James, good question. So, when I, I bought my first investment after Bulgaria, I bought Estonia, Turkey and Bulgaria. Then I came back to the UK and the first house I ever bought in the UK was in a place called Harworth. Um, and that was actually on an option agreement initially, but Harworth in the UK. The, when I came here initially, I bought in Harworth, Scunthorpe, um, Keffen Coyd in South Wales. Keffen Coyd. It's about five minutes or 10 minutes from Merthyr Tydfil. I can't even believe I can pronounce those words. And where I bought one in Sheffield. And then, oh, everything since is in Nottinghamshire. 
So I was all over the place. I did Scattergun Europe, then I did Scattergun UK, and finally I honed down into one area. And now we're buying houses on the same streets, literally just same streets in one area, because they're easier to manage. You need one builder, one reefer, you need one uh, electrician, one plumber, one agent, which we just happen to own it. So I own the letting agency, so it just makes sense that I keep all the properties locally so I can manage them locally. So James, that's where I bought my first four, not my first one. Catherine is saying, what are your thoughts on starting a new build development to sell now? 12 month build, seaside location. If you're doing it, Catherine, I would do your numbers where you have got two exits. Number one is, if you can't sell, you have the ability to hold. So we are still on a small island. We, we have still got a housing supply and demand problem. So we're not building enough properties. There's a shortfall of 300,000 a year. Will you be able to sell them? Probably. Will you be able to sell them at the price you think they're going to be? Maybe not. So I would put build in a contingency. Now, I don't believe the house price and housing market's going to fall off a cliff because it's not a financial crisis like it was in 2007. It is a different type of problem right now. There's a supply and demand issue. People, there's more money out there than there's ever been. There's a lot of money in the world. So money is not necessarily the issue for most people. People will still want to buy those properties. But will there be a correction to the market? Yeah, probably. Will it drop 10% in 12 months? Possibly. Will there be higher interest rates? Definitely. So people will have to think about, you know, there's going to be less demand to buy them. So number one is I would do your numbers on a 10% reduction in the price to see if you're still going to make enough on the exit. Number two is I would look at a plan to hold. So what could, would you have be able to on the in value rent them out and hold them? If you do, could you run them as serviced accommodation? What would the profit be if you had to SA them for a while? Now, if you're looking to sell them, you'll sell some. You just might not sell them all. So could you SA some of them? Could you hold them and rent them to single tenants and what sort of a return would that bring in? However, here's the one for you, Catherine. If you really want to sell these, could you sell them to tenant buyers? So you give them on a rent to buy contract, rent to own, where somebody pays a small upfront deposit to buy and they rent it and buy it off you at the same time. They cover the, there's no voids, there's no maintenance, there's no management fees. It aligns to your strategy of wanting to sell them, but because you can't sell all of them immediately, your backup plan, if you can't, is to sell them on a rent to buy. Hope that helps, Catherine. Um, great point about new tenants, says Scott. So pleased I set my mortgages and raised rent, says Sharon. Yeah, uh, NRLA will be on it, says Sharon. Absolutely. Um, Catherine says large companies will hoover properties up. Yeah, large companies are large mindsets. So those that are going to make the most money and do the best over the next three to five years are not necessarily the large companies. It's the people with the bigger mindset, the people with the belief that this will all be okay. And some of us are going to look back in 2035 or 2040 and realize that 2023, four and five was the biggest wealth generation opportunity in history. And some people are going to look back and they're going to say what they've always said. I wish I took action. I wish 
I had educated myself. This is not about saving money. You save money in this world today and you fall behind. This is not about trying to um, save and, and wait for the rainy day. The rainy day's here. What you should be doing right now is growing your mindset, growing your network, growing your confidence, growing your connections, investing in yourself, investing in your network, investing in your knowledge, and you will come out ahead. NFE, no idea what NFE stands for. Maybe you need to educate these bloody kinisters. What are kinisters? Does that mean the ministers? I think you mean ministers. Um, <laughs> I have a challenge for you, Kevin. So Scott Page says he's got a challenge for me. Help me find my first deal in my local area and I'll give you a percentage of rent for 12 months. So, um, Scott, why don't you go out in your local area? You don't need help to find your first deal, Scott. You need action to find your first deal. Why don't you go out in your local area, right? I can go to your town and I'm gonna do what you already know to do. Speak to the agents, speak to local people, build a power team, put some marketing out there and the phone will start to ring. The phone will ring, you'll get deals. Right? Keep all of your rent, find your own deal. Get out there looking for the deal, Scott, and you'd be surprised what you'll trip over. Because what I'm, I hear from people a lot, and not just lots of people, is um, how do I find my first deal? I'd love help finding my first deal. And then I say to them, how many properties have you viewed in the last month? And the answer is typically none. Well, if you viewed no property in the last month, if you spoke to no agents in the last month, then you, you already know that the problem isn't that you can't find the deal. The problem is that you're not looking. So I'm not saying you're not looking, Scott. This is a message to everybody watching and everybody listening in on the podcast. Are you actually looking for deals? Because quite often it's not that you need any help to get the right deal. What you need is to start moving forward. What else have we got? Peter Mosley says, Kev, what are your thoughts on the energy price uncertainty and how will it affect HMO future costs? Great question, Peter. Um, my energy costs, we, so we've frozen everything we possibly can. I know energy companies now will only allow you to fix the prices for about 12 months because they're worried themselves about where the market will go. Um, you can put your challenge with HMOs, if you want to see challenges, is if you could say, oh, I'm going to get the tenants to pay their own bills. But if you get the tenants to pay their own bills and the other HMO landlords are not doing that, you can't do that. You could say, oh, I'll put the rinse up. But if you put the rinse up and the other HMO landlords are not putting the rinse up, then you can't do that either. So we've got a price cap on ours. So the, there's a fair usage clause. So the tenants, we cover up to a certain amount every month and anything above that amount, the tenants have to cover. Now, we spoke earlier about rent freezes and eviction freezes. Well, in Scotland, they're doing an energy cap freeze. Hopefully, that's the one that Liz Truss will actually implement. Because instead of doing a rent freeze and doing a uh, eviction ban freeze, why the hell don't they just do an energy cap freeze to the companies that are actually making billions of pounds? Billions of pounds in profit. They either need to tax them, just short term, just put in a tax on them, short term tax to claim back some of that money, or freeze the energy cap. The whole point of the government energy cap is to protect the consumer, to protect the people of the company, country, the people that are voting for them, the people, you and me, that vote 
for Liz Truss. The, no, nobody voted for Liz Truss, but you know what I mean. She wasn't exactly elected, was she? She was selected. But let's see, we voted the Conservatives into power. She's a Conservative. So we voted them in because they are working for us. If they're working for us, why don't they put an energy freeze on the energy cap? See, freeze it. They've got the power to do that. Liz Truss, if you're listening, I don't know if you're on my live or not, or anyone in your government on my live, just freeze the energy prices. Yeah, just put a cap on. And Peter, outside of that, what can you do? So they, you can just put a fair usage clause for your tenants. Sharon. You perhaps should be housing minister. You talk more sense and are funnier. Yeah, it wouldn't be hard to be funnier. I'm not sure about the sense bit. Uh, You're not allowed to be funny to be in the government. Greg Ball says, do you service accommodation in your portfolio? No, Greg, I don't. Um, It's the one thing I don't do. I love buy-to-let, single-let, buy-to-lets. I love HMOs. Um, I love uh, literally... Blocks of flats is what I, I, I do a bit of now, but mainly just terraced houses, simple bog standard homes. Here's why. It's not that I don't love serviced accommodation. Um, there's a lot of hatred for landlords out there. Serviced accommodation brings in big profits. It's not something I've looked at. I don't understand that. I don't think you should be doing stuff that you don't understand. But also I was already doing single let buy to lets and doing HMOs, doing some commercial conversions into single lets and HMOs before serviced accommodation became a big thing. So you could start off in property and go straight into serviced accommodation, absolutely, and you can make money from it. Great strategy, great strategy. Here's the thing though. For me, I wanna provide housing for those that need housing. I wanna provide homes for people. I wanna help do my bit to solve the housing crisis. And I don't think, for me, that serviced accommodation does that because it provides holidays for people, great. And it's great if you're starting off in property you need to make money because you can make money. I don't need to make money, I've got money. I don't don't need more money. I don't need an extra 500 quid a month or 1,000 pound a month or whatever you'll get or a couple of grand a month. I don't need the money. I wanna do stuff where I give back now. I wanna do stuff where I can do stuff for the country. And if I can take shitty rundown properties, do them up, make them C-rated EPCs to give the tenants low energy bills and provide good quality homes to solve the housing crisis. When I leave this planet in the future, I've done my bit. That's where I am, that's what I want to do. So I don't hate service accommodation, I don't think it's a bad strategy, it's just not for me. If it's for you, great. If you need the cash flow to get started, go do service accommodation. But think about the longer term plan as you grow your business. So there's no real reason why I don't, Greg, outside of the fact that I don't need the money. So, and I say that, I'm not saying that to, for any other reason of back in 2013 when I started and I had no money, I'd probably have jumped straight into service accommodation if it was a thing back then and made a lot of money in it because I needed, I needed the money then. Today I don't need the money, I wanna do stuff for other reasons. Scattergun Fun, your next book. That won't be my next book, Sharon. I've written two books now, No Money Down Property Investing and Multiple Streams of Property Income, and both of them nearly killed me. So I'm not sure if there'll be another book, but we'll see. You would be a good geography and economics teacher too, would I? I don't even know where I am right now. What do you really want us to question to ask self? What do I really want us a question to ask self? No idea what that means either. Loads of questions here. There's loads of questions here. One second. Good idea, rent to buy. I'm going to go back to YouTube for a second, then I'll come back to some of these questions because loads of them coming through. So, Ginty Bifsha is saying, Hi, Kevin. As a first time, can I buy a buy to let with a 10% deposit? No. Um, You can buy a family home with a 10% deposit. 
but on a buy-to-let property, you need either 20 or 25% deposit. Now, 25% deposit, you're going to get a lower mortgage, lower interest rate. 20% deposit, you're going to get a higher interest rate. But in buy-to-let, you need either 20 to 25% deposits. Single family homes, you can get 5 to 10% deposits. So it depends what you're looking to buy, but buy-to-let, as, as an investment property, you're looking at 20 but ideally 25% deposits. However, just because you don't have that money in your bank account does not mean that you cannot do buy to let. There's three things you need, time, knowledge, and money. Most people don't have the money. Most of the properties that people buy, that of my students, people I know in property, they don't use their own money. You can find a deal. You could take it on a lease option. You could exchange with delayed completion. You could do vendor finance. There's loads of creative ways you could do property to secure the deal. You can add value to the property and you can buy it onto a mortgage at the higher value. Now there's a structure and a way to do that, but you can do that, it's a no money down investing technique. You could use private investor finance, joint venture finance. So either one, they're very different by the way. Private finance is you borrow the money, to buy the house, refurbish the house, you pay them back on refinance from the added value. Joint venture is where they stay in the deal. So they get a share of the equity, they get the risk and the reward. Now there is FCA regulations around joint venturing. So you need to be a sophisticated property investor to share risk and reward. Three things typically around being a sophisticated property investor. Number one is you need to have net assets, not including your own home, of over 250 grand. Or you need to have invested in two unregulated investments in the last 12 months, or you need to have an annual income of over 100 grand. So check out FCA Regulations 13.3. It'll tell you about joint venturing. But money lending, private loans, anybody can do that. Anybody can lend any amount of money because you're taking a reward but not taking the risk. And that's what the FCA say, by the way. However, lending money, you are taking a risk if you don't have the right contracts. So make sure you got the right contracts and stuff in place to do that. Uh, what else have we got? Joel says, any predictions on the interest rates? So Joel, I've already covered that on the interest rates if you listen back. Sharon, Kevin is truly the Mr. Property Motivator from personal experience. Thank you, Sharon. Scott, pretend you are Kevin. You do legwork and watch Kevin's No Money Down videos. Just watch the, just follow what we do. Follow the successful and success follows. It's a cookie cutter process, guys. Deselected. They went from many to one. Adam, I'm not sure what that means either because I forget what I was talking about. I've watched a fair few and a lot of your other videos. I've viewed loads of properties and offered on them, but never accepted. Looking to do the BRR strategy and also been trying to find a purchase lease option. So Scott, um, you need to get to one of my no money down discovery days really to learn how to do property. So just drop me a DM and I'll give you a link where you can join me on one of those. But here's why Scott, you're offering on properties. If I really had time, I'm on a live and I asked you, the property these, that you offered on, who was selling? What was their situation? Where were they moving to? Why were they selling? Tell me about the people. I, I would gamble right now that you would not be able to answer those questions. And the reason I say that is because 99% of people, they focus on the property and not the person. And the most important thing in a, in a property transaction is not the property. The most important part of the transaction is the person selling the house. 
and quite often you've probably not even met them. So there's a whole process around learning about the person. Come and meet me, Scott, and I'll help you through the, the, the working through the person. Sean Paul Gilbert says, in Wales, they're thinking single people who to pay 100% council tax. If true, do you think they will, they want to fill up the empty bedrooms because of shortages? What's your view? Um, yeah, so at the moment in the UK, single people get a 25% discount off council tax bills. Um, if they do bring in the single people pay 100% council tax bill, why do you think they're doing that, by the way? The councils don't have enough money. The, count, the local councils have got their own individual budgets. And they're trying to come up with any ways possible that they can to be able to create more income for their local council budget. So they're looking at it and going, wait a second, all these individuals that are renting houses and flats, they're getting 25% discount off the council tax bills. No real reason for that, only that we've always had it that way. Let's just charge them 100%. Because it's a property, it's 100%. So what that'll probably do, Paul, or Sean, sorry, is create way more relationships. It'll create... It'll mean where the pandemic created way more divorce because people lived together and realized they didn't love each other. 100% council tax bills will probably bring people back together. We'll solve the divorce problem. We'll solve the broken relationship problems. People will go, I know I don't love you, but screw that extra 25% council tax. I want you to move back in with me. I'll pretend I love you, but will you share the bill with me 50-50? Sean, yeah, they, if they bring it in, they bring it in. We gotta just live with it, right? You gotta live with it. So it is what it is. Um, will it push people into empty bedrooms? Yeah, I think a lot more people that are renting single flats. It's already happening, by the way. People renting individual flats. People renting single people and couples with no kids who are renting flats and houses will always um, look to save money in hard times. And the easiest way to save money is to move back home with mom and dad. But they don't want to live with mom and dad, and mom and dad will probably charge them anyway. So what they do instead is they move into rooms in shared houses. We've got over 200 multi-let rooms, and I have never seen so much demand for them. It's unprecedented. So many people. Couples that are divorcing, couples separating are moving into rooms. People in one-bed houses, one-bed flats, two-bed houses, three-bed houses, two-bed flats, individuals and couples that are renting houses are moving into rooms because it's cheap. It's the cheapest form of accommodation. When there's a financial crisis, when there's a, a monetary crisis, people will look for saving money and you will typically see that the bottom end of the market gets the biggest rise in demand. Why? Because they're... People have to live somewhere. They've got to live within a house. If they can't afford the house, they're going to live within a shared house. So big opportunity on roomlets, big demand on roomlets. But then the council will start to look at council tax by the room. And they're doing this in a lot of areas around the country where they're implementing council tax by the room. If the VOA, the Valuations Agency, sends you an email or a letter looking to gather information, you didn't get the letter. Don't reply. Because they're trying to find out if they should council tax you by the room. Don't be council taxed by the room. Atik Khan says, that's what I want to do. I am an energy assessor. So Atik, get your, let people know, we are letting people know. If anybody needs any EPCs done in and around the Birmingham area, because I believe that's where Atik is, is reach out to him. 
And you got the perfect name, it's Attic Can, but I'm going to call it, an, being Irish, I'm going to call it an Attic. So for energy performance assessments, the Attic is the care player place. You've almost got a, with your name there Attic, you've almost got a, the perfect little, I'm an energy assessor, my name's Attic, I'm in the, you know what I'm going with it. Just put something together on that. So, do you mentor Kevin? Sonny Manku wants to know if I mentor. Yes, I do. Um, I do a lot of trainings at Progressive Property on no money down property investing. So creative investment techniques like lease options, assisted sales, exchange delayed completions, um, joint ventures, private finance, loads of different ways, vendor finance of doing property deals. Drop me a direct message. I can give you a link to one of my next, um, what I call no money down discovery days. You can come meet me and see if it's, a fit and if it's something you want to do with me that would be cool what else have we got Vanessa says if you had 15k what would you do to make the highest return in six months so Vanessa I get this question a lot from people if I had 15k if I had 100k if I had 20k what would I do what's the best strategy what's the best house what's the best area what's the best street wrong question why because you uh, answer to 15k it's quite simple you the, all you can probably do with 15k is is buy a 60 grand house in some slum street in the north of england or do rent to rent where you are but easy ways however why don't you leave your 15k as your safety net park it over there and say to yourself okay if i had took my 15k and put it into a property what would i do then why don't you just raise money? Your 15K is distracting you. It's distracting and it's irrelevant. It's 15 grand. If you stop focusing internally and focus externally and you go out there, I bet you, you could raise hundreds of thousands of pounds, if not millions of pounds to build your property portfolio. I had a call yesterday with somebody who I expect a lot about property. I rang him up, asked him about a commercial deal and he's looking to, I won't say who it is, but we're having a conversation about property. And he said to me, on one of his properties, he's looking to raise a million pound in the next three to four weeks. And it's just a matter of fact, he will raise a million pound in the next three to four weeks to do his property deal. It'll just happen. Why? Because his mindset, his belief, his confidence is that a million pounds is not a lot of money. But when you're starting out in property, 15 grand is a lot of money. In 10 years time, Vanessa, a million quid won't be a lot of money to you. Grow your mindset, grow your knowledge, and leave your 15 grand in the bank. But your 15 grand, if you invested in six months, your 15 grand might turn into 17 or 18. It's still not enough. It's still, you could grow your, you could double your 15 grand in the next six months with a, tech, a strategy like rent to rent or something. Right, you won't double it in six months, by the way. You'd invest it and get it back, but you'd double it by the end of the year, in case you make 30 grand by the end of the year. But it's still only 30 grand. You still only got 30 grand at the end of the year. Why don't you raise other people's money? If you raised 500 grand and did a buy, refurbish, refinance, you could create 100 grand in between equity and between capital growth, between rental income within a year. So look outside of your own bank account would be the answer to your question. As always, such great value, Kevin, thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Um, Sharon says, Ginty, you could go on one of Kevin's courses. Sharon, that's coming from somebody who's done my courses and she's telling you you should. Scott, you could do and not try. What else have we got? 
What about the issues? So Scott's in, what about the issues with HMO and energy prices rising? And Rince already agreed. So Scott, we've covered that already, I believe, on the energy price rises. I had 12 people view a small studio flat over two days recently. Huge demand wanting small accommodation. The demand for smaller accommodation right now is unbelievable. It's massive. So rooms, studios, one beds, etc. Massive, massive demand. We covered thoughts on the Scottish rent freeze at the start. Um, EPC attic assessments man in Birmingham like it. Hello, Kevin. So Thomas says, hello, Kevin. What do you think would be the best way to talk to a council to see what's their plan or policy and if they have any social housing or supported living shortages? Really simple, Thomas. Just ring the council up. Just ring them up and say, could I speak to your somebody in the social housing department? Could I speak to somebody in empty homes? And just speak to different people around the council. But they, they supported housing pers- the c- department, the environmental health department, and the empty homes officer. Speak to those people and just ask them. Say, look, I'm a local property investor. I'm looking to do property in the area where I can bring you know, unused, empty, unloved properties back into use. What is the demand? What sort of gr- Do you have any grants available? Because councils will often offer a grant. If you could purchase an empty home, do it up, and they'll give you a grant for the refurb on the condition that you would rent it back to them for social housing or to a council benefits tenant for the next five years. Just go ring up your council and ask them. People business, the people in the council, the empty homes officer, the the environmental health officers, etc. They are just normal people in a job. Just have a conversation with them. Hazel is saying, I've found a large council building that's been empty for years, but not up for sale. Would be ideal as an SA or by the room. Difficult avoiding council tax on that one. Any advice? So you've found a large council building. So number one is speak to the council and ask them if it's available for sale. um, Because it's not up for sale at the moment. They might not even want to sell it. Ask them if it's available for sale. Ask them if it's something they'd consider selling. Um, or would they be interested in even just renting it and then speak to them about the council tax and what their thoughts would be on the council tax. The starting point really, Hazel, is you've got a council building that's not for sale. It's a government building. It might, they might have no plan to sell it whatsoever or they might be interested in selling it. And by the way, what you think of sometimes starts to come to reality. I was looking and chatting about a building in our town a few, only about two weeks ago and within a week, it appeared for sale. That building had been empty for five plus years and we just were having a conversation about it and wondering what the hell are they going to do with that and suddenly it's available for sale. So you might be surprised Hazel if you ring up the councillor, just the fact that you've seen it and it's on your radar, that things happen. When you think about stuff, things start to happen. If you've ever had a vision board and you start to think about things happening, they suddenly start to happen. The world makes things happen for you. It's weird, but it's like when you're buying a new car and you see the car, right? When you think about buying the car, suddenly you see that car everywhere. Property is no different. When you go out there looking for deals, suddenly you realize they're everywhere. So ring up the council, Hazel, Ask them what their plans are for the building. If they've got no plans to sell it, move on quickly, right? You've got to move quickly to the next one if there's no deal there. But if there is the deal there, just start talking to them then about the council tax, start talking about the other opportunities with it. See if you could rent it rather than just buy it because that's a possibility as well. So guys, I hope you found that helpful. Um, 
I know there's lots more questions in there. What I'll do is I'll go back through the rest of these questions. I'll probably do another one of these maybe in the next few days or next week or something. But come up with questions. Keep an eye out for some more Ask Me Anythings. I'll try and do these a bit more regularly. But I want to do this today. If you want, to, if you've missed any of it, go back and listen to the live. But guys, I've been Kevin McDonald. You've been awesome. Hope you have a great day. See you soon.